This is Coda Radio, episode 126, for November 3rd, 2014. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our excellent host, established on the East Coast, Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. I love Linux. <laughs> little pre-show uh, tease. I, I believe you've become known as the uh, open source hater uh, in these I, parts. I, I'm sorry. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, I heard from the sheriff that he's watching you, Mr. Dominic. He's concerned he's... about your commitment to proprietary software. Well, well, let me let me tell you who is watching me. The Department of Transportation in New Jersey. <laughs> oh, yeah? Now, I have a defective Easy Pass. Chris, are you familiar with the Easy Pass system? Yeah, yeah. We have something similar here in our neck of the woods where you just have the, uh, the reader in the car, right? Yeah, well, I now have a stack of uh, fines here. Oh. Now, now the best thing is, like, oh, don't, don't worry, sir. Just go on and online. You know, you gotta, you gotta click those, uh, you gotta click those fines, and uh, you know, just add it to the account. It's all good. Well, if you lose one of those letters, they uh, then send a warrant for your arrest. Oh. Oh yes, they do. I oh. Did. Now that has not happened, but I, I gotta say, when you call these pass, people say, no, no, no. Listen here, listen here, miss. My card ain't working. My my Easy Pass tag, as you call it. Sorry for the faux southern accent, by the way. But why, you know, I, it's amazing to me that I now have to go through the stack of a month's worth of tolls yeah. and do this by hand when they could very easily have just on their system been like, all fines pay via account balance. You know, uh, I... Just saying. Uh, I, this is one of these things that when you are, uh, when you run your own business, you work for yourself, little things like this become a huge freaking issue. I don't have the same thing, but I have something kind of similar. So uh, I have needed to take my truck in since, I think, August for maintenance. Sure. And um, now I'm noticing, noticing like every now and then like a little wobbly, wobbly sound in the uh, front driver's wheel. And I also have a hole in my exhaust system and the check engine light has come on. And you see how this thing is getting progressively worse. But it fundamentally is what seems to be an insurmountable problem for me. Because I have to drive to the studio every single day. My mechanic is in a city 25 miles south of where my studio is at. Now, that doesn't seem like it should be insurmountable. Yet, with scheduling and having three kids and a lot of things going on, I have been driving that car or that truck every single day since August, even on a long road trip, and to the airport for Ohio. And I cannot seem to get in there to get the—I cannot find the time— to get that done. Well, with me, it's like you obviously have a picture of my car, my license plate number. You know my – I know for a fact you can log into your system via my license plate number. Could no one figure out just to charge that account? <laughs> like, was this too challenging? See, for, yeah, I don't – yeah, that like is a great example. Like we have a, a red light camera system here. And when you get dinged with the red light system, when you go to pay, they ask you at the end of the transaction, would you like us to keep your credit card on file? That way we can just auto-debit you every time you run a red light. Right. Well, wow, that's, that's yeah. kind of hardcore. Yeah. 
<laughs> so that's the other that's the other side of it. They just auto charge you. Well then. Well, this is like you know you so you prepay your Easy Pass right, and you know it's all cool until the damn tag dies. I know, I know. I see and, and the thing is, they're not surprised. Yeah, this happens all the time. Ooh, that seems like a pretty major flaw in your system. Right, exactly. Uh, exactly, I know. See, uh, Fail in the chat room is already being a uh, jerk about uh, us. God forbid we go. Uh, excuse me, monkey, you've gone five minutes without dancing for me. You must now talk about coding, according to uh, Fail in the chat room. Oh, uh, aren't we all upset? I know. You know what, though? The hard reality is that these are the little details that uh, – these are the little things that seem like they should be – and I think for people that have nine-to-five jobs, I think this is not much of a problem for them. Like, I feel like they can work these things out. Like, they've got people in the office that could pick them up at the mechanic and drive right. them into the office because it's only a, a quick drive. Because that's actually why my mechanic is down there is because it was across the street from where I used to work, and so people would just grab – you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like nine-to-fivers don't have this kind of problem that people who work for themselves do. Yeah, there's like, there's like a whole level of problems that don't yeah. exist. Yeah, that, like little things that just don't even like register. It's like, oh, yes, I'll schedule a dental visit. I've got a – okay, I'm not kidding. I have a hole in one of my molars. I've had it for a couple of months now. Literally, a hole in there. Uh, what am I going to go in there and get that work done? I can't do that. No, you can't do that. It's a <laughs> real-time feedback. I'm now trying to type this into their system, and uh, <laughs> naturally it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you need to explore to make that work. <laughs> well, no, I'm going to tell I'm going to end up in court. I, I, I'm going to have a field day with this. Um, all right. So before you get hauled off by uh, getting arrested by the traffic police, yeah, should we cover uh, before Let's we get into it. any more development? And heaven, for, heaven forbid, we talk even about like a framework or a language. Oh, for like five seconds, right? <clears throat> Let's talk. We're, first, we're going to do two emails about the show since that's what last week's episode was. We're not going to spend the whole week, the whole episode talking about that. But I grabbed a couple of emails that sort of summarized what a lot of people wrote in about. Uh, so one of them is Edwards show format feedback. He says, "Hi, you two. Aw." You know, that's kind of cute. You know, I bet I bet if you and I went out and had a few drinks, we'd be an adorable couple. I'm just picturing it right now. So anyways, Edward says, hey, you too. Hey, Edward. Uh, he says, just a bit of feedback because you seem to have wanted some from the viewers. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe you might have sensed that, Edward, perhaps. Uh, firstly, I'd say it came as a shock that you were so unsure of the show's format. I really enjoy the topics covered each week and honestly don't think there is anything wrong with what you do. I know you've debated about it and the timing. Uh, but perhaps, uh, he says, we're getting the timing slot confused with the format. Anyways, I'm sure you've gotten plenty of conflicting feedback, so just check this into the pile. So I wanted to include Edwards because a lot of people said, you know, I like the format as it is. Um, but that's kind of a given. It's sort of a self-selecting survey in that sense because if you like the format, you probably stick around. If you didn't like the format, you probably leave. So it's kind of a self-selecting survey there. But a lot of people did say they just enjoy the format as is. Maybe we're being too hard on ourselves. Hmm. Mr. Dominic is busy. Maybe, dick. maybe, yeah. It, it, you know, it doesn't seem we might. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I got another one. C writes in, and then we'll then we can talk about it more. Uh, hi, hi, long time listener here, uh, first time emailer. I'm from the CS degree under thirty demographic, and in my opinion, the best thing about this show is the business angle. Mike has a lot to share about his experience contracting and running his own business in the software space, and compare and contrast that with your own sysadmin experiences really makes a great show. What if you double down on the business angle? I thought the theme of the show was always the pragmatic angle. That's why I listen anyways. C. So doubling down more on the business aspect of it uh, and things like that. The other kind of uh, big point of feedback I think we got. People were warmer to the mumble idea than I expected, as long as we didn't overuse it. And a lot of of not so hot on the interview format. 
at yeah. least not in the traditional sense. Now, if the interviewee came on and was almost like a third host and like just joined the discussion, they seemed okay with that. But if it was like a Q&A kind of interview, people seem to think that, I mean, kind of universally think, seem to think that was kind of boring. Did you sense yeah. that that was kind of the same? I, I think I think there's just a lot of of um, interview shows, and I think maybe people are tired of it. Yeah, and you know the thing about guests is they're often hitting. You know, sometimes they're not very comfortable speaking. Like a lot of times, people don't talk on the phone or talk over audio very much. So an interview is like one of the rare times they're doing it. They're not super comfortable. They might not have the best audio setup, so they sound horrible. Um, so there is a but. You know what would be interesting is maybe uh, reaching out to specific podcasters that do like the like so like you mentioned there like somebody mentioned uh, when we said there's not a lot of .net shows that we know about somebody referenced one in the subreddit like maybe we could reach out to that podcaster and say hey would you like to come on our show one week you know you get to plug your show and talk about your angle of things then they and they'd probably have some good um, capabilities as a host so they'd probably be able to hit the ground running and uh, they'd probably have a good audio setup and opinions on things. So that's something to consider. Um, and what did you think about the mumble stuff? Is that something you want to try out at some point in the future? What do, you, do you want to talk about it more first? I think we should talk about it more. I think the mumble stuff could be a little weird, but I think we should definitely try it. All right, very good. All right. <clears throat> so that concludes our talking about the show section of the show. And uh, hopefully those of you that were uh, getting driven crazy about that uh, will feel better as we now transition into more transitional topics. But first, you know what? Just for fail in the chat room, this is for you, buddy. I'm going to talk about our great friends over at DigitalOcean. Head over to DigitalOcean.com right now. And I'm thinking, I'm not positive because I, I might have an email in my inbox right now. But you might be able to still be sneaky and get away with the promo code, if you're lucky, Coder October. That's a little time travel. Coder October to get you a $10 credit over at DigitalOcean. Now, if that doesn't work for you, I'm willing to bet Coder November will. You get a $10 credit to try out DigitalOcean. You can even try them out for two months for free with that credit. I'll tell you a little bit about them and why you might want to do that. They're a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to spin up a cloud server. You're going to be able to get started in less than 55 seconds, and pricing plans start at only $5 per month. That'll get you 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20-gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer for $5. DigitalOcean has data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, and London. So you can pick and choose, or you can be like myself. And I have servers on the east and west coast of the U.S., and that's a great way for, that I, the reason I do that is because that's a great way for me to get people closer to those regions, faster access to the files we distribute, and then they become part of the swarm and they seed them out faster. So it's like a multi-level benefit system for me. And it's not just about the regional diversification too, because I can also, the way my system works is I can shut down a droplet and then when I power it back up later, it synchronizes back with the other one that's been running the whole time. So it makes taking them up and down super easy. And that's all made possible by DigitalOcean's incredible dashboard. It's simple and intuitive. And power users can replicate it with their straightforward API. So you can integrate it into your management infrastructure or scripts. There's applets for Mac OS and Ubuntu that just let you manage your droplets right from the menu in a drop down. And DigitalOcean is now willing to pay you guys if you can write a tutorial for them. Up to $200. And you can work with their editors, too. So you don't have to worry about that so much. That would definitely be a rough spot for me. You guys know me. The spelling. Not my strong suite. But they have people dedicated to helping you. 
So if you've got an expert, if you're an expert on a topic and you've got some time to write up a tutorial, go over to DigitalOcean. We've got the link in our show notes, and they might just pay up to $200. DigitalOcean.com, promo code CODEROCTOBER, or CODERNOVEMBER, depending on when you're listening to this episode. It is just the transition time. And you'll get that $10 credit. Go try out your own GitLab deployment. Or a WordPress one-click install. Or play with CoreOS. Some seriously good stuff over there. DigitalOcean.com. Okay. All right, Mr. Dominic. Here comes our next email. More back to our traditional topics. Brendan writes in. says, I've been listening to multiple shows on Jupiter Broadcasting for about six months. I'm looking forward. I'm looking for work having graduated from UCLA with a math econ degree. I installed Lubuntu and I've started giving back to the community. I found I really love doing Q&A work. But I'm finding it hard to get in with no formal job experience. I've gotten a few interviews but can't seem to get past them. I'd ideally like to get paid to do Q&A and find while contributing back to a great community, maybe do some work for open source projects. Uh, he wants to know if there's any any suggestions we have to help him to get into Q&A. And I was wondering if you have any kind of qualifications you look for if you're going to have someone do something like that for you. Is it something? Yeah, yeah so QA, um, hmm. QA is an art that really has lost its value in a lot of ways. Um, a lot of shops are using automated tooling to, to kind of get around it. I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. QA is something in the past we've had interns do. It's not, it's not what it was, right? Because, like, QA engineer used to be your entry-level developer job. Mm, yeah. It, it's just not what it was. And, and right. you can thank, really, TDD people, people who push automated testing for that. Yeah, and it's almost more now, in some of the places I've worked, it almost seems like it's almost almost like a part of the support team in a way for some companies. Uh, what about like a resume? Is it a, Git, is it a GitHub page showing contributions? What is it that you would look for? Because I think Brendan, it sounds like to me Brendan yeah. discovered something that's neat that he can get involved in but doesn't have any yeah. experience doing it, and that's why he's not getting a job. What would it be a depends. good way for him to demonstrate that he has some experience? So it depends on the place, right? Um, some places QA are just the people who report the QA issues. Some places they're actual developers who then report them and fix them. Right. In the former case, again, it, it's really... I lost you. Come back, Mr. Dominic. Come back, Mr. Dominic. Am I back? Yeah. And you're saying the former case, it's really... It's really tough because that's a job that's got a lot of competition, right? Um, if it's the, the latter case of it being actual development, you're, you're a little better off. But you're still not in great shape. Yeah, I, I would say, Brendan, too, um, stick with maybe doing open source Q&A. You're going to have an easier time getting in there. You can just kind of set, tell somebody what you – go look at a project, volunteer, give them sort of like a mission idea, what you want to do, and see if you actually like it. Uh, and I don't mean to sound – I mean, maybe there are people that actually like QA. Um, I don't know anyone who stuck with it for a long time and liked it. It's often tedious. It's unthankful. It becomes an often position of blame that's put upon. I'm not trying to talk you out of it. I just want to let you know it's a very, it's often a very thankless job, but it's a necessary one. Uh, and so try it for a little while and see if you actually like it before you go make a career out of it. You might find that you like it enough to do it on a volunteer basis for some open source projects, but you don't want to make a living out of it. Maybe maybe you'll find you love it, and then you, then more power to you to making a living out of it, because we need them. All right, next email we, we comes in QA, yeah. from David. Uh, he wants to know. He seems pretty damn excited about this, Mike. So I wanted to pass it along. 
He says, yeah, you've used PhoneGap in the past, but have you heard about Ionic at ionicframework.com? It's PhoneGap, actually uh, Apache and Cordava, I think, plus AngularJS, plus Hammer.js, and it supports touch gestures and screen reorientation. It might just be the latest and greatest in mobile or even web and desktop development. I'm giving it a spin for a new project, and he gives us a link to some demos. So I'm going to bring it up. Have you heard of this uh, IconicFramework.com? IconicFramework.com. Yeah, tried it. Um, It's interesting, right? So if you want to go to that HTML5 route, it's pretty cool. So, uh, you know, this is the HTML5 question again about mobile, right? Is mobile really just going to be the HTML5? Like, is that going to be the answer to all these problems? I've been told that HTML5 solves everything. Have you? Yeah, yeah, several times, actually. So Hmm. I'm trying now. This is pretty interesting. Uh, You know, Mike, I've been thinking about this. Um, In terms of, like, the Google Web apps, like Docs and Spreadsheet thingy, whatever it's called, and Gmail... Um, and, uh, all of, and, and office 365 or 360, whatever it's called, you know what? They're still slow as crap. I'm so sick and tired of seeing windows draw and, and icons pop in. Like when you go use office on the web, you have to see the damn toolbar populate with the individual icons and stuff. I have a fricking SSD and a core I seven rig, and I'm waiting for these websites to render their JavaScript and their icons and all this crap. And I'm sorry, but I just don't buy it. It's 2014. They failed to deliver. The applications are not as responsive. The UIs are usually not as intuitive. They generally feel compromised in some way. And they typically do not feel like native applications. And definitely never and under any circumstances ever seem to perform like a native application. And at this point in time, I just kind of want to say I'm sorry. I know HTML5 makes it so much easier for everybody. And that would be super cool. But why the hell have we worked so hard on making our computers faster and making our connections better and giving our giving our giving ourselves these systems that can do these amazing things just to put it all up in the cloud and have it super slow and laggy? Uh, because we don't want to target individual platforms. I just can't. And and here's what drives me nuts about this. Let's hear it. Okay. The thing is, like. It's very good for Linux if HTML5 applications rock, right? That's a very good thing for Linux because it it sort of normalizes the underlying platform. However, I I think the proof is in the pudding. The... uh, it just it is not it is just still today even with all of the investments in Chrome and WebKit and their and the VP8 engine or whatever the hell they use now it's still not good enough and it's and it's one of those things that when I'm really busy and I'm really working on a lot of stuff it is really aggravating and I often find myself dropping down to local applications yep. and then moving the data up into one of these cloud applications or storage systems when I'm all done. So in the case of Google Docs, I'll, I'll format an entire show in Heropad and then copy and paste it and put it into a Google Doc. And then I will do very small modifications in the Google Doc. But anytime I actually need to get some work done in a, in, in a fast pace, I take it out of Google Docs again. It's it's like this for, all, for spreadsheets, all of it. it uh, and... That's why when I see this stuff, and I, I want I want it to work out because I want the Linux desktop to be sort of on the same playing field as all other desktops. And web apps that are really good seem like a great way to make that happen. And the thing is, the company and the platform that's more about build it for build a build it for the platform is more iOS and Apple. 
And they're the yep. ones that are sort of maintaining that line while other folks are going down this other path. And, I, and, I, and I've been on that path so far because I keep telling myself, you know, it's early and they're going to make it better and it's going to get be- You know what? It hasn't gotten better. It actually has gotten worse. Like Google Plus is essentially now an application and it makes my computer slow when it yes. renders. And that's though it's even worse under Firefox and it shouldn't happen anymore. It just it's I don't want it. I don't I don't want that. I'm getting old, I guess. I don't know. I I know the feeling like exactly. It's like the one part, you know, I like SSD systems, so I don't have a whole lot of local storage, so I definitely yeah. don't want to install apps all over the place. Right. At least not big apps. I'm I'm a big fan of the uh you know, the, the, really to me the smaller the footprint you can have on a on a device. Right. The then, then the then the smaller the SSD and that's one of the more expensive components now in these computers. Yeah. I agree. That's how and and but at the same time like the stuff that I I use regularly like Sublime Text and Harupad like they have to be they have to be local performance. I I never ever want to see a menu draw anymore. Like this is yeah. not the 80s. I I guess maybe that's a little bit of it too is that uh I've already been through all this shit, okay? I've already done this. I've already had slow computers. I've already had machines that have to draw stuff on the screen that cannot access their storage fast enough to load the icons. I've, I've done all of this, okay? We, we, we've been working to get past this. And I, I, it, it actually does feel a little bit like a step back because these, these problems degrade my interaction with the technology they make the technology seem less capable i actually think it's a bigger deal than just i have to wait i think it fundamentally alters the way i interact with the technology and i think it's a step backwards okay so let's i mean let's just slow down a little here right the whole html5 thing it's not meant to be the best experience possible right yeah, I guess. I'm not sure I'm yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah, it's not It's meant to. to be cost efficient for the publisher, right? I mean, the marketing is right once, feel native everywhere, but I think reality it's make it easier for well, the developer. It, it's okay to do stuff like that, but I think people when they do that need to understand that you're making a trade and that trade is you know, you're trading lower cost of development for um, you're trading. I don't, I don't know how you'd put it, right? Well, you're trading nativeness to the platform for a lower dev cost. And in exchange, we're also getting more platforms. And it doesn't it also kind of come from a. I mean, so uh, before app stores got big, I would say everybody was kind of on the web first train, right? The web is right. the new platform, web first. And HTML5 was kind of like, well, you build your web application, which is your most important right. app. And maybe arguably still is, right? Probably arguably still is. Uh, you build that first, and then you get your secondary, your second tier apps that you you, 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 know, you put up into a nice little button on somebody's smartphone. Uh, and who does that fundamentally benefit? That fundamentally benefits Google, because that makes all of these things indexable, that makes them all on the web, that makes everybody playing on the same playing field that Google plays on. So uh, when I think of web apps and I think of pushing HTML5 forward and I think of building complex applications, the first company that comes to mind as a champion isn't Mozilla, it's Google. And I can't help but think that's because it's in Google's interest that if the world goes this direction. But I don't actually think it's the best for, for end user experiences. And 
So, I, I mean, I try to get happy and excited about things like Ionic and phone gaps improvements, but at what point? What at what point is it appropriate to say this technology has failed to prove itself out? And it's not worth as much consideration as it once was. When do you draw that line? When do you say, sorry, guys, you had your run. You had your chance to try to make it work. You haven't pulled it off. We're going elsewhere. Because it, it seems like we're approaching that point to me. But I don't know if it's it's not a hard line, right? I guess it's dependent on the technology and the use case. Yeah, I, I think you have to think about, you know, what is the priority? Is the priority, because certainly there's this element of, like, development costs that's in here and we're kind of glossing over. And you well, and I think part of the bet is the technology and like JavaScript engines and all that get better over time, right? So you're hedging a little bit today, and hoping that somehow magical technology comes around that you know renders JavaScript on the GPU, and now all of a sudden it's crazy fast. But you're also looking into, you know, a lot of these people are doing apps that are just front ends to services, right? Front ends to things that they're already selling. So does it matter? if they're necessarily the best experience. Like I, I'm, I'm thinking of like, and, and the counterpoint to this would of course be what happened with Facebook, right? They went HTML5 and they had the backtrack. Yeah, big time, right? And But a lot of like internal company apps totally could be HTML5. The other thing that's, yes, I do you, agree there, right? Yes, okay, good good line to draw there. I think that's a good point. Uh, there's a lot of There's a lot of business internal applications and things like that where it makes a ton of sense, and so why not have it be as feature-rich as possible? But, see, our our friend here that's emailing us, David, he's not writing a business app, right? He's out writing apps for clients and end-users and things like that. Uh, that's where I think it's a little bit of a risk. Because it's, I, I don't know. I mean, it depends on the client, obviously, like you're trying to say. I don't know. Say. I mean, the, the whole consumer app space right now is kind of a ghetto, right? It's, it's you know, as an app developer myself... It's a tough road to hoe, really, being a consumer app publisher. I don't know. And this might be a byproduct of the market maturing mm. and saying that. Because mm-hmm. if you think about even like desktop software, desktop software doesn't make a whole lot of money, right? Like for cons- selling software to consumers. Right. It's really that B2B enterprise space. I don't know. I mean, yeah, or niches I, like gaming or well, we, we, we talked about, you know, the App Store Gold Rush was over, and I, and I think it kind of has been over for a long time. Yeah. And the people who do well now don't do that well. And right. It's, 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 no, that's not to say you shouldn't do a consumer app. It's just certainly the bar is higher, right? Well, and that's why building something for the web, you know, you're outside the App Store game. But right, you're still, the bar is nice and low. You can I mean, still, let's be honest. Yeah, and you, but you can still be a player there. It's much more discoverable. So that's why I think it is important not to say to write HTML5. I mean, my what my rant is about is not is not to say all HTML5 applications should be dead, but what I think it is is let's get off the hype train and realize that it has a much more limited use case than I think we've all been told it does. Maybe that's more fair. Like I don't I don't think it's even appropriate for a word processor. I think it's I think it's a I think it's a it's a crap product. Uh, both I've tried both Microsofts. Uh, I've tried uh, Google's. I don't. Isn't Apple making one too for Works? Yeah, they have one. It's I not, haven't tried it, but it's not very good. Uh, again, I, I would challenge you and say, okay, certainly it's not as you know, Word online is not as good as Word on Windows. 
Yeah, but I would say enough? by a huge. Well, I, I no, I don't think it is. Like, and see, this is where maybe you can quibble because I think my definition of not good enough is different than your definition of not good enough. My definition is when I'm grumpy and I'm in a rush and I'm stressed and I'm working on something and I click on that that ribbon and I cannot see the button I want to click because I'm waiting for the icons to pop, like, pop, 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 and it just takes a few seconds or maybe a second or two. Uh, but that's not good enough for me. Yeah, I don't think that's really an issue. I think that's more of like a bandwidth thing. I think it's I think it's yeah. I mean, there could be there could be 30 different causes, right? Microsoft could be having a server issue, Comcast could be right. dropping packets, but I mean, that's my biggest argument against this whole web app thing is that there's two you can't, you can't guarantee control the experience. The experience. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Now, if those are native apps, regardless of any of that, it'd be popping right up. And now the reason why the okay, and I I I, I will grant you I think some of my bias comes from the fact, like I said, that I've come from a time when these problems were, were insurmountable. You could not, there was no option but to have a computer that slowly drawed the toolbar. That's how right. fast computers were. That is, that is not the world we live in anymore. We live in, we live in an era where I can have a 4K display with SSDs and all this stuff. I, I want to benefit from that. And I don't, I don't think the trade-off in my end-user experience is worth the developers trade off in de- development time for certain sets of applications. Yeah, now I for some it, sets I can I, I'm buying what you're selling. I think the market has already spoken. I mean certainly for desktop, right? I think mobile thanks to low end Android devices, you know, it's a little different. But certainly in the desktop space, I I, I don't I, I can't imagine a case where unless you just want like that native experience there's a legitimate reason not to go web app. Um, and this is as someone who prefers native apps. Mm-hmm. I just, I can't make the business case. I know. It sucks because it means and I'm going to have a whole bunch not, of more slow apps. I'm going to go a step further and say, I can't see a reason not to go Chrome app. <laughs> what are we making the new Internet Explorer here? I think we are. I really do. Yeah. Um, yeah, in fact, in fact, what was it? Uh, oh man, there was a Google website I was on the other day, or somebody, somebody I can't remember. Somebody sent me a link or something where you go there under Firefox and you get a pop up that says, "This site is best experience with Google Chrome." Here's a link to download Google Chrome. And I just thought, boy, you replace those words with Internet Explorer, and we are right back where we began. It's kind of a little disappointing. It was a Google site too. Which is disappointing. And then uh, when the Microsoft Band shipped, if you're using Chrome to order it, their ordering page wasn't rendering properly. So like when you tried to click on to get more technical details and stuff, the pop-up doesn't render in Chrome. So it's still a mess out there. Yes. I don't know. I, I, I think it's, it, it really is going to be like the WebKit master race here. And wow. WebKit really means Chrome. Wow, look at this. Uh, Eric in the chat room says he came across a web-based job application that still requires Internet Explorer. Yeah, there's going to be some of that, but... Oh, breaking news, Taylor Swift took all her music off Spotify. What? you got to be kidding me. Hold on. Wait, that wasn't the breaking news clip. I do have a breaking news one. Do you want CNN or Fox? Fox. Every time, Fox. There you go, breaking news here on the Coda Radio program. All right, well, we've got some more topics to get into. Uh, David, thanks for the email, and uh, thanks for sending along the demos. We'll definitely be checking out IconicFramework.com. I mean, it might be an improvement... On the status quo, we have a few more things to get to, but first I want to tell you about our friends over at Linux Academy. 
go to linuxacademy.com slash coders. You know, I was just thinking during our discussion, you sometimes got to wonder, like, when do you call it on a technology and when do you move on? This is one of the things I think could be very advantageous if you're a Linux Academy subscriber. And if you go to linuxacademy.com slash coders, you're going to get our special discount. And then you'll get access to everything Linux Academy publishes. Their courses on Linux, AWS, OpenStack, DevOps, Ruby, Python, Perl, all of it on Linux Academy, constantly available so you can go try things out. See what scratches your itch. They have step-by-step video courses, downloadable comprehensive study guides. And as the courseware requires it, they'll spin up a lab server for you on demand. They've got a bunch of new great functionality. Their lab platform now allows users to have four Linux servers at one time. You can have any distribution you'd like. And you also get two public host names for each server. You can even assign each server a role. Let's say you want one to be a database server and the other one to be a DNS server for your class. It's a really cool system. You can have people log in. And with their learning plans, they have courseware that automatically adjusts to the time availability that you specify. And their system will remind you of quizzes. And when you log in and say, hey, it's going to take you about this long, Chris, to do this. I say, okay, i got about 15 minutes. And when I'm not available to sit at my computer, I've got their downloadable comprehensive guides, audio, video, all of that. Some folks use them as podcasts even. Git and GitLab start to finish, now available over at linuxacademy.com. Linux by example for novices to pros. Introduction to Android development. All of it over there at linuxacademy.com. You get access to all of it when you subscribe. When you go to linuxacademy.com slash coders, you'll get our special discount. Go check out their scenario-based training. That way you'll have the confidence to deploy something because you've done it in a lab environment from beginning to end. Linux Academy also has a growing community that helps encourage you as you go along, and they have live events where you can ask the instructors questions. It's a great group of people that got together to make something that's truly unique and specific to the needs of the Jupiter Broadcasting audience. It's a match made in heaven. So go over to linuxacademy.com slash coders. linuxacademy.com slash coders. Get our special discount and take your skills up to the next level. There's never been a better time. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio Program. Okay, Mr. Dominic, uh, so uh, Dominic's choice here on uh, our next section. Uh, boy, we have a whole – well, we have a whole bunch of – we have some we – could, we could do some more feedback on, uh, on the show. But I actually kind of wanted to talk about – well, we have a couple more emails, and you had a topic in here about cloud IDE. So I had one question that for me that I thought would be kind of quick, and then you brought up the topic of cloud IDEs. Are you good hitting those? Yeah, so – you know, I've had, you know, you know, Chris, I had a dream that one day all my cloud IDs and your native IDs would go to school together and then people shut me down. There was a time. So what do you, so when you say cloud IDE, do you mean like one of these faux fangled HTML5 applications? So I don't even care about if it's HTML5. I, I want something where my IDE, my configuration is on a ah, server yes. and it's always correct. Yeah, now now I follow exactly what you're putting in. Cuz I spend way 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 too much time. And I'm I'm sure you've tried like toying with like, oh, I don't know, tossing some config files in Dropbox and yeah, do, yeah, I've yeah, done all yeah. kinds of crazy shit, but it's like every time I get a new <laughs> Mac, you know, Rails is a nightmare to install Postgres. Because they change the directories every version of Mac, you, you upgrade, you break Postgres. Here we go. Again. Yes, yes, yes. Um it's getting to the point where I just, I'm starting to think like this whole package management, dependency management thing is really screwed up. Uh oh. 
Lay it on me, brother. So I, I they have package they, management, dependency management on the Mac. I thought that was something you guys haven't invented yet. Oh, he cuts me to the quick. <laughs> well, there's homebrew. I'm waiting right. for the innovation. I'm sorry. I'm sure it'll be very innovative. So I had a dream, Chris, of a mythical server, probably hosted on DigitalOcean, where it just had my setup correct all the time. It knew what I needed. If I put require some gem name, it just installed the gem. And then I was back to hell with, did I install Ruby Gems' root like an idiot? Can Ruby mine read it? It was just really a bad time. And I got to thinking, .NET has lots of dependencies too. Sure, sure. Node has dependencies, although they do a little better job, right? They have NPM, which is like Ruby Gems if it was less crappy. And we don't, won't even talk about PHP because obviously their shame is well just, done. Yes. It's well documented on the Coder Radio program. Well documented. I, I kind of just want to not have to worry about this anymore. This almost seems like something that's almost a no-duh. I guess I'm not getting why this hasn't been done yet. It, it seems like what you want is maybe profiles that get stored in the cloud. Uh, where you launch you launch the ID and you say, okay, load this profile, load this project, and it pulls down all of the settings, right? All of your configuration, your even your window arrangement. Well, I think it doesn't happen because it's it's not really practical. I think it's a stupid thing to want. Hmm, you think? Because, you know, because I, I guess you could take this and you could apply this to anything. Like, I'd love to have this on my video editor because I always, I have to spend, you know, hours tweaking my video editor. After I load the machine. And especially, dude, with Lightworks. And the worst part about Lightworks is you have to log in to use it anyways. So you have to log in with an online account. And it just burns me that I log in and then I spend an hour or two tweaking the UI layout. So you you know what it is? I'll tell you the exact use case, right? You get a new Mac. You need to use Rails. And Postgres is satanically hard to install. You know what the Red Hat guys do, don't you? They just run Linux, and this problem is less of a pain in the ass. Well, there's that, yes, uh, but no. Uh, actually, some of them use Macs, and mm. uh, they use Docker, and so they keep all of their stuff in Docker containers, and they check them in and check them out on the, as, on their machines as they go. Yeah, there. You know, I've I've looked into that. I even tried it. So I want to go a step further with this, Chris. Not just dependencies. I have a specific IDE theme called Tomorrow Night and Tomorrow Night Eighties that I like to use. Tomorrow Night Eighties. Yes. Okay. That's I interesting. Just, well, you know, you need to feel like the guy from the original Tron when you're coding. I okay, mean, it, all right, okay. If I, you're not right. making an artificial version of yourself who's ultimately going to lead to your destruction, then you're just not doing it right. I was picturing more of like an 80s hairband kind of thing, so good clarification. Okay. Anytime I can help, it's really, you know. Why? Like, I just had to install Visual Studio on a machine this morning, right? Why do I have to reset all this stuff? Like... Why do I have to import all these settings? Why can't I just have a Visual Studio in the sky? And they have this. It's just not very good. Well, this is a great theme. They have this, but it's not very good. No, no, your no, your tomorrow theme. This is great. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's an awesome color scheme. So I'll put that. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, so uh, yes, I agree. I follow you so far. Now you put out a call. You put out a plea. A reasonable question to our subreddit at coderadio.reddit.com. How did the good folks respond? Did they seem to understand, and were they on board uh, with you, or did they think you were an old codger? They, they parted their cheeks 
and deposited some stool on my idea. Whoa! The main drawback to me is flexibility and lack of solving a problem that I have, says Vimisher. Although I'm not aware of any problem at this time, maybe someone smarter than me can identify one. A build a cloud idea that solves this issue. And he says he has the ability to edit my files anywhere I go. He'd need that. The ability to collaborate easily. It would need to have that. It'd have to have an essential development place. What if that place tomorrow vanishes like the dust? So that would be a huge problem for him. So he, how dependent could he be on it? That's true. He says an essential development place must be to everyone's taste. In the desktop context, if you don't like something, change it. Get, yeah. 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 So then I reply about, you know, the advantage of the avoiding dependency hell, basically. And someone came back to me with something really pointed of, oh, great. So shared libraries, right? Which is how OS 10 and iOS do it. Uh, shared libraries have its own problems. And I think this is just one of the like fundamental problems all developers deal with. Uh, Liquidy Deakity says, uh, from my perspective, there isn't much compelling about this idea. My dev stack and tools are all free and open source. A more than adequately powerful computer with terabytes of hard drive can be bought for a few hundred bucks. I just don't find myself needing a dev framework from random computers and devices. Oh, I don't find myself needing to do dev work from random computers right. or devices. He says, I'd also be worried about syntax highlighting, air checking, limitations that go along with any browser-based UI, and being yeah, tied I mean, to, to a cloud service. To be service. fair, right, like, like coding and Cloud9 already do all that syntax highlighting and stuff. So they, there are examples of this working. To do this right, you'd almost need something like that you could like deploy yourself on a droplet if you needed to, all a GitLab. Well, no, there's that, there's that Cloud9 we talked about way yeah. back at yeah. the beginning of the show. The problem is like all these services are shockingly costly. <laughs> Well, and like a few people have pointed out, and like you know, you're known to worry about, they could also go away. Right. Cloud9 looks like Sublime Text in a web browser to me. It is Sublime Text in a web browser. But it has a bunch of, um, it, well, that's not really fair. It has a lot of like build command, although so does Sublime Text. All right, it's a well configured Sublime Text in a web browser. Hmm. Yeah. You know, if there was something like this that supported Markdown with collaborative editing, this might be better than Google Docs for JB. Because I really hate Google Docs. So I, that that might be... And the thing is, is now that Google Docs has been adding features like automatic indenting and stuff, it, it messes with Markdown, and I just don't like yeah. it. So, uh, yeah, I've, I feel your pain, man. I feel your pain. I, I think it's funny, because I think this is a great idea, but it's probably not something I'd use for the simple reason of security and being scared, like, what if these guys do go out of business, right? So then what, what, what's your option? I just get sad. Maybe you right. should image your drives, you know, and then you That's just de- deploy the a image. option. Yeah, like super duper, right? That's something. I mean, so coding is actually doing your Docker idea, coding.com with a K. Oh, yeah? They're doing your Docker idea. So they're running Ubuntu 14.04 VMs in Docker, and that's your dev environment. Yeah, you could do that too, right? Yeah. Do a VM. Oh, that's interesting. And they just have, like, their custom ID. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes too. That's pretty cool. Features. So the problem is that coding VMs can run on Amazon. Docker you know, coding VMs are sliced up and running as LXC. This means that you can easily run advanced technologies like yeah. Docker. It's funny because now I'm about to totally reverse my position, but I kind of don't see a strong why for this other than it's annoying to set up a new environment. Right. But if it's something you do often enough. That's something I do a couple times a year. You know what it also is, though? It's also the peace of mind knowing that 
if anything were to happen and that laptop or whatever didn't turn on this morning, you could go to any other computer and be right but back. Isn't, isn't that like source control? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But it, all your, isn't... but that's like saying, couldn't you edit if all you have all your source files? Well, yeah, I could, but then I have to go rearrange my entire editor and get all my stuff loaded in there and all my plugins and settings and you know, I mean, it takes time just to get the environment ready. Like one big advantage is the build refresh thing that it does for web developers. At least Cloud Nine does. I haven't tested coding too thoroughly. <coughs> but the thing that really hit me about Cloud Nine the first time I used them was their pricing is crazy. Really? I'm gonna go. Yeah, look. it's. I'm trying to find their sheet, and it's one now they don't even show it. You have to like sign up. Oh, you're company. right. They don't. They don't even put a price on here. Yeah, that's it's, interesting. It's rough. I remember it being. It's like per repo. Ooh. Okay, yeah, with a premium account, you get six private spaces, and it's twenty bucks a month. Six. That's just yeah, that's just not doable. Yeah. No, yeah. no, not especially if I was going to use them for every show. That'd be crazy. Uh, all right, I had a I had an email, or it's not really an email; it was a Reddit post. But we get this question a lot, and I still don't have a great answer. But I just wanted to, I wanted to respond to it um, because it's directed to me. Uh, so uh, NM Quirk writes in, and for an, he's looking for an endorsement by me. He says, I've been a JB listener for a couple of years now, and I don't think I've ever heard Chris endorse a Windows-based laptop. He seems to be for mm. Apple laptops and System76. Of course he is. He's a Mac fan. <laughs> for someone maybe that wants a Windows license but also wants to run Linux, what brand and model have you found to be the best as an IT professional? Um. <clears throat> So this is actually this is actually a problem for me. I the other weekend before I went to Ohio, I experimented with the idea of trying to find about a 13-inch laptop with a really high resolution screen right. that would be a good machine that would run Linux. And uh, that that by that particular definition system 76 doesn't fill the uh, the need because I have a good laptop but it doesn't have the resolution screen I wanted. It's only 1080, which is enough, but I wanted something I could actually maybe even edit 1080 footage on the on the road, which means I need to have almost double that. Anyways, uh, and I really didn't know where to go because uh, what everybody wants me to say is Lenovo's and ThinkPads. That's what everybody wants me to say. But I have worked on so Wait, many Lenovo. Wait, whoa, whoa, what? What? Lenovo's and ThinkPads? Yeah, they, everybody wants me to say ThinkPads. Go out and get a Lenovo ThinkPad. Why? Well, I, I don't know. See, this is the thing. Uh, I know that. the keyboards are good. I will grant them that. Um, but I, I've used, I have repaired a lot of broken-ass, piece-of-crap ThinkPads. I've, I've, when I worked as a contractor, I essentially was ruined on all laptops. They have all seemed like junk. So generally what I tell people is, get a business class one. Get something that's business grade, and you know, just check the Wait, hardware in it. Like I, so, I really. So this is interesting. You buy you buy business computers, not not consumer ones. Of course. Really, I buy low end gaming ones for fingertip. No, the business ones have always proven better to me for some reason. I, I don't yeah, know. No, I, I've had a lot of luck with the Dell XPS. Line. Well, uh, so I was going to say, with one caveat, uh, Noah lent me one of his uh, Sputnik uh, Dells. Right, yeah. Pretty good build. I, the screen resolution isn't good enough for me. But it's a bad, you know. So which, it depends on what she has, though, right? The first run, which is the one I had, is shitty. The newer ones have actually like a 1080 screen. Um, it must be the older one, though, because it's, it's not a 1080 screen. It's one step yeah, below that. if it came with like, I don't think it's that bad of a laptop, really. It's a little underpowered, but... It's so not... when I say... Like, I'm talking like the XPS 8700, 80, yeah. the tower. Yeah, yeah, but those aren't, yeah. La- those aren't laptops. See, like the towers, well, it's easier. Ass if you're buying all laptops. Like... Well, I, I honestly, yeah, this is hard. I, I don't know what... I think maybe I would end up going ThinkPad just for the keyboard, but... So then you get into other stuff, like... Um, 
Are PC laptops as quiet as the MacBook? Nope. Uh, are the touchpads as good as the MacBook? Not even close. Yeah. So, uh, you know, are, are they as thin? How with about the... this? Do they handle heat as well as the MacBook? Nope. Do they have loud fans? Yep. Right. And so it, it is a really – so if you hold it up against that, it's hard. So for me, the other end of the spectrum you, you is – You know who does make a mean laptop though? Huh. I hate to cut you off, but the System uh, 76. Yeah. What's that one called? The, uh, the Ultra Ultrabook. Book. Yeah. You know, and you know what else I'm looking at now? And it's not out yet, but Alienware. I know, I know. But Ali- the Alienware 13. Oh, you're sick. Is that the thing with the crazy attachment? You can get the crazy-ass GPU nice. attachment. Yeah, nice. that's the one. So I don't think it's out yet, the Alienware 13. But it's got it's going to be like 1000 bucks. Uh, and uh, it has a crazy high-resolution screen. Yeah, and you can get the external GPU attachment. Uh, it actually, though, so here's what I like about it. 13-inch screen, super high-resolution screen, desktop-class GPU, but otherwise it looks like an Ultrabook. Now, I don't think it's going to be the quietest thing out there or anything like that, but it, it, you can, if you're looking at the video version, here's a picture of it. Next, the, the, you can see the size of it because the external VGA chassis is bigger than the whole laptop. Yeah. And it's their own proprietary connector, but I, I, that's kind of a neat idea. And you can put any desktop graphics card in that external thing. So the the big problem I'm I have with like trying to buy laptops over desktops is and, and there's certainly an argument to be made for laptops, right? If someone's you know, if there's a snowstorm out here and whatever laptops don't last as long and you can't upgrade them generally. Even Windows laptops are kind of a bitch to upgrade. At least I've always found it. Yeah. I I'm much less comfortable popping open a laptop than I am just popping open a tower and doing it. Yeah. And the cost per, you know, per whatever, the return on investment. And that's why Chris is buying the 5K iMac. No, I, you know, I mean, for editors, maybe, maybe when we need to upgrade the editing computer. See, he's already uh, laying the groundwork. Do you I, don't, I don't think, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. No. Um, so I, I, I guess I, the reason why I don't ever recommend a non, I don't have a good recommendation. I cannot come up with one that I like a lot because I think... Everybody's quality kind of varies. I actually have one that I like a lot that uh, actually my wife is using, the Surface Pro 3. In my opinion, that is the best Windows laptop on the market right now. Huh. And it, it, it's weird because it's not really loud. It, it, it's quiet like the MacBook Air. It's, you, can, you can get it spec'd out with an i7 and like I think 8 or 16 gigs of RAM. You're not going to play any games on it, really, but if you're looking to do work, especially development work, it pumps out to a 1080p monitor, no problem. It's really nice, but it's not cheap. You're, I, you're talking about Mac prices now. I know. Uh, I know. You know. So I know in the audience, ThinkPad is definitely the the go-to. Um, right. You get a business class one. I think it'll be all right. I guess some of the newer ones have worse keyboards, though. Not a lot. Yeah. Don't buy don't buy the Chinese laptops. It's kind of hit and miss. That's why usually when I get a PC laptop, I prefer to go System seventy six because it's a sim. It's it's a, it's like here's your here's your choice range, right? And it all makes sense to me, and I know I'm going to have a good time with Linux, and they run Windows if you need to. Well, the problem with PC laptops is you, the majority of the market is like the low end crap, right? So there there's not a whole lot of competition at the high end, and even the ones that make high end laptops, they also generally make low end laptops, and you can find some of their parts. And they're like, I had Chatrooms also talking about HP Elite books. I had one of those. Um, it was a. Con- I had constant heating issues. It was. It was not a good experience. I've, for me. I've had nothing but problems with HP machines. Uh, the constant overheating. And I, and I wonder, suspect if it's because they just they can't ignore the business optimizations of taking some of the low end parts for the low end systems and even and putting, putting that. Yeah. yeah. They just can't, they can't resist it. It's too tempting because it saves them too much money. 
having said that, all desktop Macs, with like two exceptions, have mobile processors and stuff. So yeah, super pathetic. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's 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 weird because even like the Macs are trending down market. Everything is kind of getting cheaper, but not cheaper in the way of it's just as good, but cheaper. Or cheaper in the way of it's kind of crappy. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer, a little bit. It goes yeah. back to I want my stuff fast and I want us to continue to progress forward. Yeah. So, meanwhile, although you know what, I'm I'm almost on like a two year old bonobo now, and it's still like plenty fast. In fact, I even had t- chance to use a faster bonobo recently, and I was like, ah, eh, feels just about as good as my current one. Like it's gotten, it is ha- has kind of gotten to a point where things are pretty damn fast. It really where sure. I run into it is when I'm com- uh, not uh, when I'm encoding. That's really when I want it to be faster. I always need more. All right, Mr. Dominic, is there anything else we want to cover today? No, let's let the good peoples go. Okay, all right. So uh, let us know your thoughts. Ask us your questions. Share your feedback. Go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com. Click the contact link and choose Coda Radio from the drop-down. That's how you get a hold of us. Or go to coderadio.reddit.com. Yeah, you heard me right. You go to coderadio.reddit.com and uh, start a thread over there. We'll also have a feedback thread where you can... Just uh, kind of chime in on the current thread for this week's episode. Give us some topics you want to see us to cover. Just put them in there, and uh, we use that to kind of gauge your interest. Coderadio.reddit.com. We're looking to kind of spice it up a little bit. And a huge thank you to everybody who went in there and had great discussions. We've been reading all of them. So thank you. We're taking all of it in. We just we don't want to make two shows about it, but we are reading all of it. Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you want to send folks throughout the week? Yes, to the NJ uh, Transit Authority. Of course, yes. That's, that's where you'll be spending a lot of your time. All right, well, everyone. In Camden, so bring a gun. Bring, wow! It's, it's a little. Wow. It's a little. No, Camden is. Uh, go Google Camden's murder rate, and then you will understand. <laughs> oh jeez! I am not looking it's forward dark. to going. It's yeah, dark. It's a scary place. All right, everybody. We'll see you right back here next it's like, week. It's like Gotham. <laughs>